Benzinga's Cannabis Capital Conference returns to Miami Beach on April 11th and 12th. I may be biased, but I'm telling you this event is a can't miss. Join us to build the foundation of your next game-changing deal with CEOs and decision makers from leading companies in the industry. We're talking about the next wave of businesses, strategies from the most profitable businesses, and exactly what investors are looking for in a challenging market. Go to bzcannabis.com to meet your next investor, co-founder, and new friends. A little pro tip from me, right now tickets are $1,000 cheaper than prices at the door. Get yours now. What's up? We are back in action. It is the first day of the week here in the U.S., Javi. You've been working for two days already. My guy, how's it going? Great. I just put on this <laughs> um, the AirPod, and instead of getting the, the sound from the computer, I was getting music from my phone. <laughs> That was very confusing. I hope it was like ACDC or something and you were getting pumped up. You were ready to go. It's a Colombian singer called Liai. I was just using her music for an Instagram. Would she pump you up or is it sultry? Okay, she would pump you up. Okay, well, then that's good for me. I I am 100% down for that. What is up, everybody? Elliot Lane, Javier Hase here for episode number 5 million and 20 of Cannabis Insider. (laughs) We are thrilled to bring you the cannabis news twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 Eastern time. Thanks to our producer, A.T., Aaron, the one and only Thomas on the back end. Smash the like for him, not us. He is the man. Yes. You can see his beautiful face on our YouTube shorts. You should subscribe to Benzinga Cannabis YouTube channel because our shorts are fantastic. I have nothing to do with our shorts, That's but awesome. it's my favorite content. Like, I mean, they're killing it. That being said, Javi, my guy, we're going to have an awesome guest today. We're having the CEO of Navis join us. Who just Very, joined? I, just yes. joined. Awesome. So we'll get him over in a little bit. Yeah, we'll get him over in a little bit. It's going to be a lot of fun chatting with him. Uh, It'll be the first time we've brought Navis on this show. Very excited for that. But first and foremost, like we do every single twice a week day, what's going on in the great mind of the Hase? So you know, there's several things that 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 caught my eye this week. One of them is is, is news out of New Mexico, where a new bill could uh, allow firefighters to use medical cannabis while off duty. Uh, the idea is to redefine what a safety sensitive position is under uh, the Lynn and Aaron Compassionate Use Act, which regulates medical cannabis in this uh, state. And what they're proposing is to amend the definition, uh, uh, you know, of who uh, the people who are required, you know, uh, which of these people are impacted by the definition of safety sensitive person to only people who carry a firearm at work or operate a vehicle with a commercial driver's license and whose performance under the influence of drugs or alcohol would constitute an immediate or direct threat or injury or, or death to the person or another. Right. So I'm assuming the driver of the fire truck would not uh, benefit from this change in the law, but the rest of the firefighters would uh, benefit from being able to use cannabis off work, never Mm -hmm. during the job. But like what what is the now, now how do we regulate this? How do we measure this? You know, because like we just had a news item last week about police officers, I believe, in Connecticut monitoring um, how long somebody can be intoxicated from cannabis. No, they're measuring the intoxication 
levels of different uh, mm-hmm. cannabis uses and how long they've been intoxicated, all that. There was another study that actually um, was trying to destigmatize the uh, idea of a cannabis hangover. I mean, different studies like that, I would imagine, would give you some sort of time. Like last, you should, is it the day before? Is it 24 hours? Is it 48 hours? Like, is any of that, that in motion question. or a part of this bill? I don't think so for now. I mean, I'm, I'm then sure how do they do have that? to look in. How do you do that for now? I have really no idea, right? I, I, I assume you'd have to trust people, right? And if you catch them getting stoned uh-huh. at work, then it would be, be a problem. But otherwise, it, there is really no way to measure that. Because for a medical cannabis patient, right, if they have to use cannabis every day and it takes, whatever, five hours to, to you know, no longer be intoxicated, but then, you know... It can still be traced. We cannot fully measure THC concentration levels in, in mm-hmm. blood or, or urine right now, I think. So yeah. maybe, I like maybe it. Vince has, has some insights. Well, there, maybe, right? Honestly, that would be interesting. But keep keep it rolling, man. Let's get a few more news items in here. One that, that you know I, I really loved was um, John Oliver is back on HBO with last week tonight and his latest segment, you know, the, 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 the main segment, the main story tonight, as he likes to, to introduce it. Uh, this week was about psychedelic assisted therapy, as you can see there. And of course he said there's huge potential if done responsibly, very, very interesting show. He, he looked into the different uses of, of psychedelic substances for for treatment uh, for mental health. He shows interviews of veterans who suffer from PTSD and have had great experiences from TP, uh, with, with psychedelics. He looks back at the history of psychedelics, prohibition, different clinical trials, different uses, the risks, right? The 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 caution that we need to 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 take when administering all this. And then he actually calls out Compass Pathways, CMPS. Um, you know, looking into how fair it is for them to want to patent a molecule or even like a clinic, for instance, right? Um, very, very interesting show. I do recommend it. You can check it out tonight on YouTube or go to benzinga.com slash cannabis and find the entire article with the video included. Fantastic. Now... I guess on top of that, and you hate it when I do this, so apologies, I'm going to ask for forgiveness, not for permission. Um, But another article came out today in Forbes saying cannabis somewhat mutes the effects of psycho-assisted therapy, like long-term cannabis mute, long-term cannabis use. So they measured several people uh, it was like 253 people and their different uses of cannabis and their reactions to psychedelic therapy. And apparently those that use cannabis a lot more than others have less of a response. That is interesting. I mean, it does make sense, right? The, the one thing I can tell you for sure is that cannabis use is not recommended in combination with other psychedelic substances while undergoing therapy, Right. For instance, last uh, during the weekend, I was I was looking uh, I was taking a deep dive into ibogaine, right, and how that works for the treatment of addiction. And one of the things that that they ask you, you know, before you you do a a, a ther- you know a, a addiction therapy 
using ibogaine is one you have to detox from whichever substance you're looking to uh recover from addiction from uh for 30 days so no use of say for instance opioids for 30 days if you're doing uh, ibogaine uh, therapy to treat opioid addiction or dependency mm -hmm. uh and also that you refrain from from mixing with other substances in the hours prior to the therapy itself because there, there could be a bunch of interactions that 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 you know if we can control every factor uh, you know and, and that i i think would apply to most other therapies i'm not sure about psilocybin what what the interactions are there but in general terms, it's always good to administer any therapeutic substance on its own, unless a doctor tells you the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. But if not, you don't want to mess with, with those interactions with the brain, with the body. I love your response. That, that was very insightful. Thank you, man. Uh, so a couple comments in the chat. They need to quit treating cannabis like alcohol from Mr. Mikey. Very much agree with you, my friend. But if we move toward alcohol, it'd actually be a step in the right direction, uh, at least politically. Jody Brokop uh, said, I work at Suncor in northern Alberta. We use 36-hour swab tests on our random drug and alcohol program. That's interesting. Uh, hmm. You know, in, in consideration of the New Mexico news, if that bill passes, would they implement something like that? Um Interesting to consider, but let's get a couple more rapid fire items in here, Javi. And then we have an amazing guest to chat with. Yep. I want to check how CGC canopy growth closed the day today. And it, it was didn't down start good after that 4, news. 4%. Yeah. Canopy growth corporation trading on the NASDAQ as CGC and on the TSX as weed. Yes. Weed uh, traded about 4% lower today on an agreement for additional financing of up to $150 million through unsecured converter, uh, convertible debentures. The idea is to use all this uh, money to transform Canadian operations and fast track the entry into the U.S. market. Now, Javi, from an industry standpoint, I don't hate this. I like, don't. I, yeah. I it's don't, I don't love it. I'm not like, yeah, a hundred million bucks. But like, I mean, these companies need cash. These companies need, um, help right now. And while share price will suffer on news like this, it, I almost want yeah. them to, to finish right sizing their business and do what they need to do. And then we'll climb out of it. I mean, that is a I mean, terrible, terrible stock market advice. I'm so sorry I said any of that for stock traders. But it, I mean, Javi, I... Companies can't always operate, in, you know, with this short-term view of, of the day trade or the week trade, right? Um, because otherwise, you're just playing playing the market and playing sentiment versus building strong fundamentals, right? If Canopy wasn't doing what it needs to do to improve its business and ultimately drive stock prices then, you know, it would be a disservice to long-term shareholders, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I mean, really, it does look like it. Did it bounce back up a little bit? Let's see. Toward the end of the day. I mean, ultimately, not well-received. But again, it's as you, you know, as we were just saying, it, it, this really reflects the, the, the sentiment of the day. Also, keep in mind the volume is never very, very high. 
Mm-hmm. Like even today, or like the average volume is like nine million shares, which is like twenty million dollars in stock traded a day. Thirty, if you want to be very generous, right? So it's you know, a few I don't know if we want to be generous right now. Stock much. <laughs> I don't know if this is a generous volume time. Um, all right, man, let's go ahead and wrap up our news items for the day. If you want to read more, Benzinga.com slash cannabis can get all the best news from Javi and his team, Maureen, Nina, Helena, Vuk, and the squad, Lara and Natan bringing the psychedelics coverage. It's all on Benzinga.com slash cannabis. Make sure you head there. You can also download the Benzinga app. The Benzinga app is legit, y'all. Um, in terms of news flow, you just slide over to the cannabis news section, get all their news What's, right there. Is that on in French? Mobile. Was that in French? Pardon my French, it's Le Sheet. <laughs> I don't know what you just said, but I just love it. Um, that said, y'all, <laughs> let's bring it over. Like <laughs> hey, we're, we're on LinkedIn and Twitter here. You know, we're not on like CNBC. Um, y'all, so Elliot oh, Lane, Javier Hase, but with who you've been waiting for, let's bring over the CEO of Nabis, Vince Ning. Welcome in, Vince. How are you, sir? Where are you calling from? Hey, how's it going? Doing well. Um, actually calling from Puerto Rico. Extended a day down here Ooh, for my President's nice. Day holiday. So um, very excited to uh, be in some warmer weather. I'm normally in New York, so I'm actually headed back up and my flight's in three hours. So I'll be Yeah, back. don't. Just, just stay in Puerto Rico. If, <laughs> if you want to stay there, I'll be, I'll be heading out to, to PR after the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference. So... Yeah. So if you want to stay there for a month and a half is what he's saying. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Wait, so Vince, you operate Nabis. Is that not California focused as a, as a brand or as a company, I should say? It is. It is. Um, I I, I started this business about five years ago, actually coming up on March um, as when our five year anniversary is. And um, our whole business operating wise exists in California. Our corporate staff though is fully remote. So, um, you know, a lot of, our team, whether it's engineering, product marketing, does reside within California, but we do have a few people remote um, outside of that um, state. But, you know, for me, I moved to New York in April last year um, with the goal of actually expanding Nabis out into the New York market, just given nice. we uh, you know, have hopes and goals of becoming a national player. And New York uh, was definitely an opportunity we didn't want to miss up. So, um, uh, you know, I moved out there to really just be boots on the ground to meet local operators, see how we can help benefit the market there. How do you, how do you operate a business that is so heavy on, on logistics remotely, though? I'm, I'm super curious. And, and, and by the way, let maybe introduce Navis. <laughs> for those, yeah, sure. those who don't know. Yeah, for those who don't know, um, Navis is the largest uh, cannabis wholesale platform um, based in California. Um, today we serve over 300 brands exclusively on our platform, um, and distribute their products out to nearly every dispensary in the state. Um, and so today we serve roughly about 20% of the California, uh, of the California market, which roughly equates to, um, almost half a billion dollars worth of products, um, distributed on an annual basis. Um, and beyond just distribution, um, my background comes from, uh, the tech space. 
Um, but, you know, learn the operational and, and, and sort of the distribution side, just given I come from more of an engineering background. And so it's, you know, one big math equation for me. Um, but, um, you know, took that um, sort of skill set, built out the logistics platform, and then overlaid a lot of tech services on top of it. So, um, you know, we, we have a wholesale marketplace. We run a financing factoring business. We have a data analytics platform. Um, we have APIs. We have you know, other ways to interact with our platform that make distribution much more modern than, uh, you know, what exists before in other industries um, and uh, allows us to streamline um, and improve margin efficiency for not just us, but other operators that we and partners we work with. So many things to dive into. Uh, <laughs> so let's start with um, kind of the, the wholesale perspective of California. You know, when we look at a lot of the pricing pressures, a lot of the the issues that not just California, California gets a bad rap because it's the largest market, but every state has been dealing with in the cannabis mm-hmm. space. How does that affect your business specifically? But you and and are you somewhat immune to it because you're such a big player in the state? No, certainly not. I mean, you know, I think a lot of the volatility in the supply chain affects us um in exactly the same ways that it affects any individual brand or retailer or grower. Um, you know, we just even in the ways that we price in the ways that we can help our customers, because I think when their incentives change, um, the needs that we need to solve for them, um, also sort of shift in terms of the balance. Um, at first when the market opened up, everyone was pretty flush with cash. Uh, I know you guys were talking about companies that need cash these days, but you know, back then when the market was getting seeded with a ton of venture capital, um, everyone was really just trying to compete to get on shelves. Um, it wasn't really a matter of price. It was a matter of how fast you can deliver your products and how, um, you know, how on time and uh, the deliveries were and how, um, sort of like how, how, how few mistakes were made at the time of delivery um, to ensure that that product made it to its final destination um, on time and in full. Nowadays, while that's still um, a priority, I think a lot of people are certainly more price sensitive to distribution fees. Um, you know, they're more price sensitive to the samples they give out. Um, and so the ways we have to help our customers are in the form of a lot of the tech services we provide. So you know, the factoring business helps give more upfront cash to our suppliers so that they can continue to speed up their inventory cycles and production cycles. Um, you know, we provide a lot of data to our partners as well so that we can help them not just make any sales happen, but the right sales um, to the right partners um, on the right credit terms. Um, and so, you know, all of those things sort of play a role in ensuring that our brands succeed in, in this market environment um, compared to before. So a lot of the emphasis of our platform has shifted a lot um, just due to the times. And before Javier asks this question, I want to answer a question in the chat. Christopher Marin, uh, Navis is private, uh, mm-hmm. but we do hope uh, that you are public one day and are totally affected by every breath Chuck Schumer takes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Javi, next to you, man. <laughs> so here from uh, from LinkedIn, uh, Faltenberg says, I do like uh, the Navis marketplace when it comes to the ease of ordering. My question to you is, what makes it so easy for, for you know, a user, someone who is you know, on LinkedIn right now, just going like, Hey, I love this. It's so easy. What makes it so easy? You know, what are the features that, that people are looking for? And do you have any upcoming features that would make it even easier for, for their, you know, for their users to order? 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when we first set out to build the marketplace, I think a lot of traditional uh, industries might find this uh, these features table stakes. But in cannabis, a lot of the existing tools and features just don't exist. Um, and so, you know, it, it really came down to a few value props that we really wanted to provide to every single customer. And the first was, you know, we really wanted to have a wide, diverse, diverse set of products on the marketplace. Because ultimately, as a retailer, you want to go and purchase not just a beverage brand, but you want to try out gummies, you want to try out different brands. And so um, being a one-stop shop was important for us. Um, and second to that, um, it was really just having an understanding of the inventory levels that were available in the wholesale market. So, um, you know, if you look at other uh, software providers or wholesale marketplaces, um, they don't actually run the distribution themselves, which means they don't manage the actual physical inventory behind the scenes that's being listed on the marketplace. So each brand sort of manually manages the inventory levels. And so the sort of experience sometimes um, gets lost at the retail purchasing level if they're expecting to buy 10 case packs of plus gummies and only three show up, you know, that's just not a great uh, purchasing experience. And so then what that trickles into is if I don't feel confident or I don't trust the marketplace to actually fulfill my order on time in full, then I'm not going to put money up front um, to pay for something until our products arrived. And so, you know, one thing leads to the next and, um, you know, we've built out um, a bevy of bill pay and payment tools and systems to make it very easy to transact um, and also be able to identify and talk to the brands directly. So, you know, all of those things combined really help create this holistic experience that starts from, you know, the listing of the product, um, talking to a sales rep, purchasing the product and getting it fulfilled and delivered on time that, you know, a lot of the other wholesale marketplaces out there, while effective at some, but not uh, they're, they're not as effective at creating the entire end-to-end -end, um, or managing rather the entire end-to-end -end workflow of product delivery and payment flow. Um, so that, you know, we, we really just try to stick to the fundamentals. And of course, there's like, um, you know, little design tricks that we have to make it easier and easier to fill orders. But um, I think the, the foundational pillars are really just, it comes down to the sort of like base level expectations of using e-commerce sites which is, you know, products and payments. Hmm. Go figure. Um, <laughs> that being said, Vince, I'd like to dive in a little bit further to your financing side. Uh, you, you mentioned financing earlier. I, I'd like to understand a little bit more about the impetus and when you rolled that out. Yeah, that was our second product after we rolled out our fulfillment platform. Um, we really rolled it out because, you know, we as a marketplace, we the other thing we pride ourselves on is, we have a philosophy of keeping our platform agnostic, which means we don't buy and sell inventory. We don't have a sales team, like a full suite distributor that goes and reps a brand to go stock them into different doors. We give them exposure by, you know, allowing them to use a marketplace or like using our marketing tools to help them get into doors. Each brand then goes and sells directly to the retailer or vice versa. The, the retailer buys directly from the brand through our platform. Um, and that means we, you know, that, that if a retailer decides not to pay a brand, um, then the brand is basically out the money directly. We, we don't act as like an intermediary for, um, for sales because we really want to be able to not take sides. Like we're, we kind of have a Switzerland model as far as serving brands and retailers across the industry. Um, and, um, 
you know, we, yeah. And so, and so as far as the factoring business, that, that product came to market as a result of, you know, brands just know they needed to know, knowing that in wholesale transactions, net terms and credit terms need to exist because the transactions can be fairly large. Um, some brands operate on like a single cash cycle. And so they'll need to have money up front in order to start producing their next batch of inventory before it gets sold out at the retail level, um, before the retailer gets paid and before the retailer pays the brand. So um, essentially, if the factoring business didn't exist, then essentially a brand would have to wait 30 to 90 days um, for the retailer to get the money from consumers after selling through the product and then giving it back to the brand, which then, you know, there's a period of time where the, the shelf space is really stocked out. So, you know, we, we really wanted to create a product, like a financial service that gives brands that upfront money so they can go do what they do on the production side, not have to wait for the retailer and just keep that inventory flowing. So there's never any stockouts at the retail level. Last question for me, and it's a two-parter here. Um, so when you look at your site, uh, the Navis Marketplace. That is cheating. Wait, 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 wait. That is cheating. You said the last question. It's a follow-up, and it's two questions in one. I did. I cheated Avi You're right here. Um, yeah, I do. <laughs> so, so Vince, uh, so when you look at your site, when you look at the, the Navis Commerce site, um, the top, are they in alphabetical order, or, or how, do you, how do you show the products? Yeah, so our homepage is actually we try to keep everything merit based, um, and you know there's ways to filter. So alphabetical A to Z, Z to A, by most popularity. Um, so that's just by general sales volume. Um, there's cheapest products, most expensive products, um, and then there's like most available products. Um, and so we try to just stick with the actual facts and figures, um, and not say, hey, we just want to promote this one <laughs> chocolate brand right now, and so we'll stick it at the top. Um, but on our homepage, there are certain sections that we do sort of try to promote just because they're naturally disadvantaged. Um, so if it's like a women owned brand or like a social equity brand, those things we tend to have additional banners at the top, or at least what we do is we offer significantly discounted rates for them to have placement banner ads on our marketplace. Um, so it gives them a, a bit of a leg up that they normally wouldn't have against some of the larger brands, um, that list on our platform. And then a follow-up to that, sorry, Javi, um, what, what gets the most traffic? Uh, like, is it because of that? Or as you say, retailers are selling or brands are selling the retailers and then they find the stuff on your site. But I would imagine you have people coming to your site regardless that are retailers, yeah. right? So um, what is trafficked the most on the Navis site? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think there's, uh, you know, while the Navis site can certainly help promote certain brands over others based upon the placement of the product, um, you know, I still think that the biggest driving decision maker for uh, a retailer is really just, you know, how popular the brand is. So if people know they buy Raw Garden and it sells through very well, they're just going to go straight to the search bar and search up Raw Garden, look up their menu, or perhaps just like look up their previous order history and reorder the same thing that they bought last week. Um, beyond that, um, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to um, price point, especially these days. Um, Capital is expensive. People just like to buy larger quantities um, of the cheapest products. So people go for bang for buck. Um, and then there's also just sort of like category trends too. Um, like flour is still 
the top sold category across the industry, followed by vapes, followed by edibles, then concentrates and sort of accessories and miscellaneous items. Um, and so those are always, those don't really change. Um, but yeah, there are some times when, you know, a brand will really successfully leverage the marketplace very well. You know, they put high res photos, they put, they, 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 uh, they make proper discounting to the right parties mm -hmm. and um, they do a good job following up as well. There is definitely a level of sort of like a human assisted nature to the sales where after a retailer discovers a brand, they can reach out to a sales rep um, at the brand's organization and talk to them and they give, you know, they can upsell them for a bigger discount on a per unit basis. So those things all help drive more and more sales that wouldn't naturally occur um, in the wholesale marketplace. Um, yeah, I would say those are those are sort of like the biggest factors in terms of driving uh, purchasing decisions and demand on on, the, on our wholesale marketplace. Now, I got one last one to close it up. I know you were you were listening in on the on the first part of the show when we were talking news and and one of the news items related to testing um, firemen, right, and firefighters in general. Mm -hmm. What do you know in, in terms of how? For instance, how drivers are tested, what are the requirements? Like, can, can you share any insight, shed any light into, into how to potentially solve some of these, these issues, right? When, how much time is enough time for someone to go back to work after consuming medical care? Yeah, and then that that earlier part you were saying it was uh I think they have like a thirty six hour test swab or something like that. Yeah, um, that's an, one company in Alberta, in Canada. Yeah, uh, so, got it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, for our drivers, we're a cannabis company, so we generally have like laxer rules around actually firing someone over drug policy. But you know, we certainly have a standard of excellence as far as our delivery service, and so that's where we draw the line if it's. You know, we, we don't allow, we have a no drug policy while you're at work, but, you know, our company culture obviously is, sits within the bed of the cannabis industry. And so, you know, after work, we have teammates that get together and bond over a joint outside in the parking lot. It's pretty commonplace and, you know, it's actually encouraged, um, but definitely not on the road, um, definitely not while they're driving. Um, and we don't, we don't particularly test unless they break that, those types of rules where, you know, they do it at work. Um, while they're, you know, operating like a, a motor vehicle. Um, yeah. But I think as far as other industries go, you know, I, I totally understand why. I mean, especially for firefighting when it's a life or death type of um, job that you're taking responsibility of. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, alcohol has been legal for 100 years now since prohibition. And uh, I still don't think it's acceptable to be drunk while trying to save someone from a burning building. So um, I think it's as long as it, it doesn't impair your ability to function or operate, and especially if the stakes are high, um, then it's probably not a good thing to keep around. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise, I, I think it's, it, it, it is good to have like certain devices and tools to be able to test those things, in my opinion. Um, yeah, just for safety precautions. Fantastic. Vince, really appreciate you coming on with us today, man. Any last words, thoughts for our audience uh, as, as we uh, wrap up here? No, I mean, um, you know, I think as far as the audience goes, I, I, I know you guys have a lot of like investors that tune in, a lot of other operators. Um, you know, hold on tight. The market's not an easy place to be in right now, especially in cannabis. Um, you know, I always tell my team that um, it's, it's about focus right now and making every dollar count. Um, and so, 
you know, we uh, as a business, while we're largest, we know it's not bulletproof and we know we need to keep growing and expanding. And so hence why we're looking at opportunities in New York and other states. And I think a lot of other brands are doing the same, too. So as far as the operators out there go, I, I think it's highly encouraged to go check out some other markets outside of the one you're in right now, um, just because I think there might be some inefficiencies there to be able to grab extra margin, because I think raising ex- extensive sort of like company saving equity rounds or debt rounds can be quite expensive. Um, and, you know, operators tend to lose control of their business in volatile times like this. So, um, you know, to the extent that, you know, you can rely on your own capital, keep growing. Um, and even if it's growing a little slower, um, I think sustainability is actually more key at this day and age because, you know, relatively speaking, if your competitors are dying, um, you know, you're still doing better than everyone else. So um, I think, I, I think at least for another year, um, the cannabis industry will be like this. And so we all just need to sort of get our mindset leveled um, with our expectations as far as like how, fa- how long we need to hold this out for. Mm. Thank you, Vince. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Vince Ning, CEO and co-founder of Nabis. Hopefully we'll see you in Miami in April for our Cannabis Capital Conference. We'd love to see you and you have your expertise on our stage. But that being said, my friend, until next time, be well, stay safe and keep kicking butt. Thanks, guys. All right. Great interview. It was really nice to get an introduction to Nabis. We've never had Vince on the show. Not the last time. Not the last time. Agreed. I I became aware of them um, through a friend uh, one time pointed out, like, I was confusing Nabis. This was a few years ago with a different company also called Nabis, but it was not a good company. I think now that one is out of business and the one that... (laughs) Continue <laughs> Yeah, no, um, very much know who you're talking about. Uh, but that being said, thank you all so much for tuning in to Javier Jase and Sidekick Elliot Lane. Uh, we appreciate you. Um, Benzinga.com slash cannabis, as said, subscribe to Benzinga Cannabis YouTube, subscribe to Benzinga Cannabis LinkedIn, and subscribe to Benzinga Cannabis Twitter. Just BZ Cannabis everywhere, right? Make that your life. But we'd love to hear from you. Email us at CannabisHourBenzinga.com. DM us on Twitter or LinkedIn. Both of us are very responsive. We'd love to hear from you all and hear what you want to to chat about. Hear what you want to discuss. Hear the topics that are important to you. That said, Javier, last words to you, my friend. Go check out bccannabis.com. Join us in Miami, April 11 and 12 for the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference. If you're into psychedelics, psychedelics, business, investing, whatever it is you're interested in, the science, the applications, the potential, April 13th is the day for you. All of these events will happen at the same place, the Fountain Blue Miami Beach Hotel. You guessed, in Miami Beach. BCCannabis.com. It's beautiful. That uh, That is it for us today. Let's do it. Peace, y'all.